Hey, everybody. Before we get into today's episode, uh, Mike and I wanted to take the opportunity to uh, share a little bit from our own perspective about everything that's going on in the world right now, uh, because it's something that we committed to before we ever started making this podcast. We always wanted to be true to ourselves and to our beliefs and not censor ourselves. And so uh, this is uh, how we'd, we'd like to do that. Yeah, guys, um, you know, the it's been a rough, what, 10 days here in the United States and seems like each month of 2020 is like hold my beer. So, it's, uh, you know, we want to address the George Floyd situation and from, you know, my my background, you know, I am I am a person of color and I've had a, I've had a, to experience <laughs> some of these things that have been popping up in the news the last uh few days and it's just uh it's just really rough it's just very sad and you know if if this offends you then please don't listen to us anymore because this is something that we feel is important and something that we need to talk about and you know the the phrase black lives matter is important and we we just feel that we need to address it talk about it and and kind of Go from there. So I wanted to read a little bit from Shad Khan's statement. He is the lead investor of AEW, owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it's uh it's pretty long. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the closing of it, I think, was really touching. Racial discrimination has no place in our society. That's been said, but what's been done? We must have the answer today, and we will work with players, staff, and more to arrive at a timely response. Because this moment, while agonizing similar in many ways, is unlike any other in our history for undeserved people and communities in the United States. We cannot attack the virus of racism with indifference or periodic attention. We cannot expect an easy cure or give up when the quest becomes inconvenient or uncomfortable. Most of all, we cannot fail our children, children who deserve to know they have the same opportunity to earn a living, have a family, and live safely, no matter the color of their skin. Racism in all forms will kill. It kills people, it kills communities, it kills dreams, it kills hopes. For many Americans, now is the moment. Never has that been clearer. I don't want to waste that moment. And the reason I, I want to read this is because we we need we need everyone in this. It can't we can't in two weeks we can't have people not angry about this anymore, not upset about this anymore. And you know, I'm I'm livid and I'm hurt and I'm sad and it's been a stretch of days where it's hard not to cry and it's hard not to feel alone. And you know, it's, um, it sucks. And <laughs> Joel, I feel like, feel like I've been blabbering, <laughs> but you know, how kind of, what's kind of your, your thoughts on everything going on and, and what you, what do you want to say? Well, first off, you feel free to take all the time you need to to say what you want to say. Um, as the white guy on this podcast, uh, I have to echo your sentiments and, and say that, you know, this is not any one group's fight. This is something that affects all of us in, in some way, shape or form. And, you know, I think of all the different, uh, times we've seen this happen, right? This George Floyd is, is far from the first, this is a problem hundreds of years old and, you know, something that this country has has never reckoned with. 
And it feels like now we're in a moment where uh, the Black Lives Matter movement has, you know, gained traction. And in 2014, when the protests took place in Ferguson, that kind of was the birth of the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, there was a lot that needed to be done to raise awareness and to educate people and to bring these issues to light. And over the past six years, that education, that awareness has taken place. And if you haven't participated in that education, then it's time to get on board, learn. It's not hard to see. It's everywhere. And the racial bias in this country is a poison that will destroy us if we let it. So it's the responsibility of people like me to use the privilege that I have to step up, to be part of a solution, and to not be satisfied with sitting behind a microphone and saying words, with tweeting things, but to take real action. So I would encourage those out there who are listening uh, to educate themselves and to create an action plan, figure out what are the things that you can do. Um, I've identified a few things that I'm going to be doing in addition to uh, donating when I can to different relief efforts, whether that's you know bail funds or uh, different organizations that I really support. Um, I think something that everybody needs to learn about is um, Eight Can't Wait, which mm-hmm. is a program a website that was just launched by Dore McKesson and uh, Brittany Packnett Cunningham, uh, Samson Yangwe and Clint Smith and others who have worked really hard to identify what are concrete things that we can do in order to uh, combat police brutality against, you know, people of all races, but black people specifically, and to try to curb this epidemic that threatens the fabric of our very society. So, uh, There are eight specific things that they've outlined that if all of those things are adopted by police departments, reduces uh, police brutality, racialized violence by 72% within that department, which is a staggering number. So uh, look it up, check it out. It's the number eight, can't wait. And it's- And we're at it. We're at it to the show notes too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Our our show notes on our page so you can go look it up. Definitely check that out. Yeah. And, you know, before before we move on to our main show, you know, I wanted to, you know, the the I've been thinking about this all week. And Cody Rhodes, after Double or Nothing last year, after his brutal match with uh, Dustin, was asked by Mark Henry in the media scrum afterwards um, about diversity of the roster, how they envision handling that going forward. And Cody said, I've learned a lot. I would have never known. I one time told Brandy, I don't have a racist bone. I said, I don't see color. And she turned to me and said, well, then you don't see my experience. And Cody said, I, oh, you're right. I can't just say that. You need to be able to see the experience and at least understand it. And empathy right now (laughs) is, I think, what everyone needs and needs to think about, you know, how, how can I help my friends who are black or people of color? How are they affected by this? How are they feeling from this? You know, we, I don't need you to go out and fight my battles for me, but 
knowing that you're there and you you under you understand and you're supportive and and stuff like that can can really make a major difference and you know when you see what Cody said and and what Brandy told him um that I I've never been able to put into words what I need from people until I heard that quote and that's that's really what what I need and I, I think that's what a lot of um people who are you know, fighting um, for Black Lives Matters uh, need as well. So just keep that in mind. Um, you know, we're, if you want to reach out to us, we can always talk about it too. So, um, you know, it's, it's 2020. It's, <laughs> we should be way beyond this. We should have flying cars by now, but we're, we're still having black people murdered <laughs> for literally no reason. And that's a disgrace and we need to be better and the country needs to be better. And, um, if this may, if, if you're not against racism, police brutality, then you're for it. And it's time to pick the right side. So anything else, Joel, before we, we move on to our joking, fun episode of talking (laughs) about professional wrestling, uh, two two last things, and I think they echo sentiments that you've already put down. But if you don't see color, you don't see patterns, which means you can't see what's going on. So, you know, that's an antiquated viewpoint to say, I don't see color. Uh, because if you don't see color, then you can't see what's going on around you. And you can't see the disparate impact that our policies and our structures in the society have on people of color and black people, most of all. And... The second thing is there are really only two positions. You're either racist or you're anti-racist. There's no neutral because as with all things where there is oppression, silence is a side with the oppressor. So, you know, do what you can. And if you don't feel like you have the knowledge and the expertise to do something, then educate yourself. You have access to the internet. You can learn, you can read, and you can figure out what are the concrete steps that I can take, even if they're small steps, you know, and and as you do this, you'll get more and more comfortable learning more about it, talking more about it, and taking action. But to begin with, get comfortable being uncomfortable because there is going to be discomfort. And that's all I have to say. All right. Well, on that note, we will kick it to ourselves. The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and as always I'm here with Mike and we're going to recap the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. So uh, before we get into calling the action, Mike, how are you doing? Well, Aside from everything else going on in the world, life's pretty pretty good. Um, got my new apartment lined up for next month, so I've been starting to pack, get that shit all together. Uh, realizing I have so much crap in my apartment. So if anyone needs a giant Fallout 76 helmet, I got you. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I'll sell it to you for like 30 bucks. I don't know. It's just, it's too damn big. It's too damn big. And I'm realizing if I'm going to be moving into my own place and entertaining guests of the female variety, I don't know how the the big Fallout helmet's going to go over. So 
I'm trying to balance my personality and not having a man boy cave. So got to figure well, that I out. Think, I think that's a that's a valid endeavor. Although I will say, you know, video games are for everyone. So, you know, you never <laughs> know. True. Although I, I will say, I think you'll have a hard time finding someone who's a Fallout 76 fan. I no don't one's think a there are very many of those rolling around. Yeah, I got I got it just to get the helmet. The game sucks. <laughs> <laughs> the, game, the game is horrible. Uh, I'm I'm trying to figure out what games I want to play again. I'm thinking about Fallout Three or Fallout Four again. But yeah, definitely that Fallout seventy six steel case is a nice thing for my video game stand. But uh, I won't I won't go on that anymore. Joel, how you doing, dude? I'm doing all right. You know, in, in current climate adjusted terms, I'm doing fine. Um, it's hot. I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I've been bringing this up, uh, every, every couple of times, but yeah, it's, quit it's your kind bitching. of in the forefront of my mind because I do work outside and it's, uh, it's been brutal this week. I'm, I'm exhausted. We're recording this on Thursday and you know, every day it's been, sweating my ass off and uh ready for the weekend so you know hopefully hopefully we can get some some better weather before the real southern summer kicks in but you know aside from that everything's you know moving along still social distancing even though things are kind of starting to open back up restaurants around here are you know open at 50% capacity but maybe they're they're not getting to 50% capacity, at least from what I've seen when I've like gone to pick up takeout and stuff. It's like the dining room is empty. So it doesn't feel like people have the confidence and comfort level to, you know, go out and sit down and have a meal. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious when we're going to get to that point. Um, but I'm, I'm worried for our, our businesses that, that it's, uh, it's going to hurt them in the meantime, but man, here I am being all depressing and stuff. <laughs> yeah, why don't we move on to uh, the week that was? <laughs> the dynamite that was. All right. Dynamite began with an opening title cards uh, mentioning what's going on in the world and, and the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, and then that was followed up by <laughs> their regular open to the show and it was kind a of a weird. Video- <laughs> It was a little, little bit, you know, a little bit of whiplash. Uh, I yeah, was kind of Black expecting. <laughs> I, I was kind of expecting there to be like someone in the ring to actually say words. Uh, someone specifically being Cody, but uh, but we didn't get that, and and that's okay. Uh, it was just the FT. It was it was Black Lives Matter. Then it was the FTR, FTR in last week. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so next up, we got the uh, the tag team championship match between the Super Bad Death Squad and Kenny Omega and Adam Page and uh Kenny Omega and Adam Page getting the pinfall victory to retain their title in that affair. Next up was a, a video pack, well not a video package and kind of a backstage segment between Tully Blanchard and Sean Spears. This was followed by a match between Brian Cage and Sean Dean, Cage getting the pinfall victory continuing his dominance so far in AEW. After the match, he was confronted by one John Moxley, and we kind of got a promo battle between Moxley and Taz. After that, there was a Lance Archer uh, video package promo segment uh, where he was 
walking through an American wasteland, beating up a luchador. So that was a little That's strange. A little, weird. <laughs> a little strange. Um, and then we got a backstage segment uh, between Private Party and Matt Hardy, the origin of the Hardy Party, which I'm very Hardy excited Party. to see where that goes. So uh, up next, Colt Cabana and Chris Jericho had their match. Jericho getting the pinfall victory in that affair. And after that match, we were treated to Orange Cassidy, who came out and uh, tucked Jericho's hands into his belt in lieu of cutting a promo. And uh, then that kind of broke down into a bit of a scrum. After that, we got a video showing Britt Baker doing physical therapy. And uh, that was a pretty, pretty funny segment. And that was followed by a match between Big Swole and Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose getting the pinfall victory. We then got an interview between Tony Schiavone and Darby Allen and an interview between Tony Schiavone and FTR, uh, which was interrupted partway through by the Butcher and the Blade. And finally, the main event, Cody Rhodes defending his TNT championship, getting the pinfall victory and retaining his title against Jungle Boy. What a week. Stock up, stock down. So yeah, let's start with uh, the TNT Championship match. Uh, I think that's both a stock up for us. Uh, my main takeaway is Cody wrestles much more aggressive when he's the bigger guy. And like some of his, even his mannerisms seem heelish with how he like moves and reacts to things. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure which which I like more from Cody, him working under, him working on top. And uh, the nice thing is that the smaller wrestlers he works with in AEW are so damn talented that the matches always turn out really damn good. So, uh, Joel, what was your initial reaction to this match? So this match reminded me of the Cody that we saw in Ring of Honor, where he was kind of a bully heel character. And his working style, the intensity that he displayed on his face really did lend itself to that heel role. But he's working heel, but still getting over like a face and doing like he didn't out and out cheat in this match. Um, he did fight, you know, very aggressively and used headbutts and had some some fighting outside of the ring uh, and really used his physicality on the smaller Jungle Boy. But, you know, he's still doing babyface type stuff. Like, even just having an open challenge is a very babyface thing to do. So it's it's kind of this interesting territory, and I'm curious to see if he continues this with, you know, everybody that comes out. And it would be an interesting persona for him to just be this tenacious defender of this title, and that He'll do anything to keep it. But, you know, he's still committed to being that good guy and putting the title up and being a fighting champion. And I don't know that that's really a, a character that we've seen before. So I find it very interesting. Yeah. I, how do you think that? I, I'm, I'm just curious of how that would have been reacted to if there was a an actual crowd, you know, not AEW superstars in the crowd chanting the way that they kind of want you to chant. Um I could definitely see fans throwing, you know, temporary support in the Jungle Boy more than a Cody in this scenario. But I mean, I think you'd probably see a split audience to answer your yeah. question. And uh, I also, if if 
I know the AEW crowd is different from the Ring of Honor crowd. That's two very distinct groups, but there is some overlap. And, you know, when we saw Cody as this, you know, out and out heel character in Ring of Honor, he was still being cheered like a baby face. Like, oh, yeah, hard. We were at the event where they had to turn him because (laughs) Lowell, Massachusetts was cheering so freaking hard from him against Christopher Daniels that in the taping the next day, they turned they turned Kazarian and Daniels heel. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I totally get it. Did you notice that this is going to be an old football reference? (laughs) That Cody pulled a Gus Farrat. <laughs> Do you, you mean like headbutting the wall? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you got the reference. And if you don't know, Gus Farrat, when he played for the team from Washington, we don't say their team name, uh, celebrated a touchdown by headbutting the wall and then gave himself a concussion. <laughs> and he missed the rest of the game. So Cody, Cody pulling a Gus and bashing his face and busting himself open. Got some chuckles from me. We got it. We got a gust. And from that point on the match, he wrestled a little desperate. You know, it was more, oh man, they're like, he was dazed, dizzy. Like I, I, I thought he started selling and working differently after that spot, which I think is, um, very subtle, but I really, really enjoyed what they did here. And when they did that spot off the turnbuckle and blood splattered onto the camera lens. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> like, like I thought we were playing a video game or something where when you get shot, blood is on the screen. But um, yeah, I just thought really good, really quick, fast paced match. Um, my favorite spot of the match was when Cody caught uh, Jungle Boy and then pulled a power slam out of that, um, which I just thought showed a lot of strength. Um, and that yeah, spot was overall, impressive. Uh, I was even more impressed when he caught him out of midair on the suicide dive. Oh, yeah, that was insane, too. Same kind of situation. And we're not used to seeing that, you know, oftentimes you'll see someone get caught if they do like, you know, a flying crossbody over the top or, you know, some kind of a springboard move. But I don't know that I've seen someone get caught and their momentum completely stopped on a suicide dive like that. So, you know, I I was impressed by by that spot. And, uh, you know, Cody is a very strong dude, especially in the context of AEW, which has a smaller overall roster. Yeah. Did you notice too? This was just funny when they went through the table, like the championship belt was still on there and somehow the belt managed to flip out of the chaos. Like I did not see that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Check it out. Cause it's like in the middle of the table and how they hit it, it just kind of shoots out. And I'm like, okay, I would have thought someone would have taken the championship belt off of the table if they were going for this spot. But, um, yeah, I think I think it lived up to the hype. It was a pretty pretty good match. Um, I like the confidence that Jungle Boy showed. I also liked him talking shit to MJF and uh, Wardlow on the side. So I hope that that feud continues now that uh, Jungle Boy is through this uh, title match. Uh, maybe not necessarily him one on one, but you know we saw Wardlow and Luchasaurus kind of have some stare downs. So I uh, feel like that could be a logical conclusion. Uh, logical thing for those guys to do over the next few weeks. But uh, we, we spent a little time at the top of the show. So any other thoughts before we move on to our next item? Well, there was more than one championship match on this card. So I think we can move on to the next one and talk about the tag team championship match, which opened the show between Superbad Death Squad and Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Uh, there was a lot of fun stuff in this match, but I think my favorite moment was 
when Penelope Ford tried to sneak in and hit Adam Page with a Hurricane Rana and, you know, she got hung up and Page turns to the referee with a panicked look on his face and is like, what do I do? So, you know, and I just, I really thought that that spot was funny. And then Rick Knox is like, uh, just drop her. Drop her. (laughs) (laughs) It was really good. And, you know, it was nice seeing that, that spot fail, you know, she's gotten involved in all of Kip's matches, you know, and most of the time she does successfully hit that hurricane Rana or something. So, and also just, I know she's not like a big person, but that still has to be pretty hard to hold that spot like they did. Cause like she wasn't just like crumpled up on the ground. Like she was like her whole body was extended and he was like holding there just still. Like I, I thought that was yeah, well, like you rather can't impressive. Miss, right. Like when you actually hit a hurricane rana, you know, if your legs don't lock around that person's neck, it's not a big deal. Cause because they're gonna, you know, take that flipping bump anyway, and it's still gonna look fine. But if you're going to get hung up, you better get some grab. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she also looped her upper body around and was using one of her arms on one of Paige's legs to kind of support herself also. So, I mean, it was a good team effort between the two of them to make a really entertaining spot look really, really good. So uh, if you didn't see it, definitely go back and check that out and check out the whole match. There was some great Kenny Omega stuff in this match. I thought he showed some flashes of you know, why so many of us wrestling fans believe he is the best wrestler in the world. And when he gets on a run and is just hitting spot after spot after spot and and making everything look impactful, you know, you, you understand why he's earned these accolades and, and why everybody cares about Kenny Omega so much. Yeah. I, I, there was his first tag in, I believe he, he did this like he sprung through the ropes and then immediately hit like a knee slide and it looked so effortless and so clean. Like I, I've never seen something that wasn't a move impress me so much in wrestling. Um, and you know, the smoothness and speed of Kenny, you combine that with pages strikes looked so damn good in this match. Um, I don't know if it was just having two incredible guys selling for him and Sabian and havoc, but all those all those strikes look like knockout punches. So um and I liked Havoc escalating his cheating. You know, when Ford got ejected, he brought in a wrench. <laughs> work, yeah. And then he brought in a hacksaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, shout out to Jimmy Havoc. Cut. I mean, he was yeah. great in this match and his selling, like you mentioned, was phenomenal. I I really liked the way he took the Snapdragon suplex. I thought that looked fantastic. And, you know, he he really, really got into that and and just looked great rolling out of it. And I'm getting more and more impressed with him as a worker. I think he was someone who benefited a lot from the quarantine tapings and was heavily featured in a way that he hadn't been prior to that. And I hope that he continues to to kind of be in these feature spots because I think he and Kip definitely earned this title shot and getting to, you know, open up a high profile show that was, you know, hailed as having two title matches and being an important episode of Dynamite. And I, I really liked what I saw from them. Their offense looks great. They have excellent chemistry. And I, I'm really enjoying the 
interaction between them and the officials and now the other wrestlers when they're hitting their uh penalty kick or you know field goal spot that they're doing Mm -hmm. you know this week rick knox just kind of threw his hands up in the air and then adam page recovered and said it's good and then clotheslined both of them which was (laughs) you know it was great and it was a different flavor of an entertaining spot that we've seen now a few different times so uh, i really liked this match yeah and to Havoc and Kip, they have really good chemistry. And I like Havoc as kind of a supporting player to Kip's like m- main stage actor. Like I feel like he's a very good person to support Kip um, as Kip grows and, you know, becomes a bigger star. So I a really good team. Also, uh, they, the Omega and Paige have a, a name for the V trigger and, uh, uh, God, one buckshot lariat, the last call. Have did they? Have you heard them call it that before, or do we? No, that was the first time I had heard it. So okay. you know, I'm guessing that that was one of the things that Paige came up with while he was going out of his mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor guy. <laughs> if you haven't listened to AEW Unrestricted this week, he is the guest with uh, Tony Schiavone and Aubrey Edwards. Oh, nice and. It's tremendous. Uh, I, you know, know a little bit about his background. And I, obviously I watched him in Japan and I watched him in Ring of Honor. But, you know, getting to hear his path and his journey and, you know, it was really cool. And I thought he was highly entertaining. And, <laughs> you know, the the way he talked about being the elite and how much fun it was and and how that really kind of change things for him. I think it's a worth a listen. And I was already a huge hangman page fan. I, my evaluation of him is probably higher than just about anyone else's out there. Um, yes, I, I think he's a tremendous talent and uh, I, I was excited to see that they retain the titles and, you know, I, I want this run to keep going. I'm loving this. Yeah, me too. Um, curious to see where they go, but yeah, they, they made a point to talk about how in sync the two were tonight, and maybe maybe the the contention like the, not the contention that's not a word the um the heat you know in in storyline um maybe maybe they're going away for that for a bit you know it seemed like we were on a crash course of Kenny Omega and Hangman Page but maybe maybe they're just gonna roll with this for a while and let them keep putting on kick ass matches so uh, let's move on but before we do. I just the, I want to make a, a an observation of my notes. Um, so right after this match was the Sean Spears uh, Blanchard promo, and I meant to write fingerless gloves, but I wrote gingerless gloves on accident instead of fingers. Yeah, so, not a redhead to be found. Not a redhead to be found. But anywho, let's go to our next item in stock up, stock down. And Joel, you mentioned you want to talk about Nyla Rose versus Big Swole. So what are your thoughts on that? I love this match. I thought it got better and better throughout the course of of the match. And I really liked the kind of early uh, body control spots from Swole, where she was kind of maintaining control of Nyla's head. And I, I really enjoy that kind of working a body part angle. And I think it's best served at the beginning of a match to kind of warm things up. And, you know, it 
it really seemed like maybe Swole was going to get the win here. And I went into mm-hmm. this match thinking that it's going to be a quick, you know, five to seven minute affair. And, you know, Nyla was going to hit a beast bomb and that would be it. But what we actually got was a much more balanced match. And it was almost, you know, one-sided favoring Big Swole until yeah. Nyla hit those big moves at the end to, to seal it and end the match. I, I like that she won the match with something other than a Beast Bomb or a guillotine knee. And I, I really liked Swole's offense. I thought she looked great in this yeah. match. And it's clear that she's been working hard and getting ready to get back in the ring and have a great showing because this match was awesome and a great showcase of Big Swole and everything that she brings to the table. What I loved about it is usually when we talk about someone working from, you know, up top or underneath, it's usually because of the size. You know, we talked about how Cody, the Jungle Boy, could work that style because he was bigger. Well, Swole basically worked from on top the entire time, despite being a smaller wrestler than Nyla Rose. And her strength is pretty unbelievable. Um, and some of the things she's able to do in the ring is are really impressive. And I liked that, okay, she lost the match, she put out a great showing, but she got to do something post-match with Britt Baker. Um, so, you know, doesn't look like Britt Baker's going away. It looks like she's going to just be antagonizing people from her wheelchair and from her, um, was it she like on a big ass, like, uh, ATV type thing. I think it was a gator. Yeah. So I, I just love that it wasn't, Oh, swole lost. And now we won't hear from her or anything. Like she got the post-match interview. She got the post-match angle. She was about to beat someone with a chair. Who's in a weird chair, which normally I would be against that. But when it's Britt Baker, you make exceptions. So yeah, I, I, I thought, she came out looking good. And I think a continuation of what we talked about Nyla Rose at double or nothing is uh, she, she sold, sold like crazy. Her last three matches, the tag team match, uh, the women's championship match and this match, she has sold, sold, sold and make people have made the other competitors look great. And I don't know if we were necessarily seeing that from Nyla Rose uh, prior to this, because she was just dominating everyone. Um, so I, it's nice to know that she has the ability to to se- to sell this well and to to make people look good. And I think that's something you need to have when you're the biggest person in the division. Like Big Show was pretty good at that. He couldn't sell stuff um, as as a giant needs to. So I'm just very impressed with both of them. Absolutely. So um, do you have anything else that you wanted to touch on or shall we move on to lightning round? Yeah, let's move on to lightning round. Why did that fade? Try that again. Lightning round. Well, that was weird. Um, I, I'd like to, for a brief moment, once again, Sammy, don't quit your day job. I know, I know singing bad is a bit, but God, I want to turn the music off. Like, it was so freaking bad. And he's a good heel, and that's what he does. But man, I, it gets to me. It just, I, I, you can't be that bad of a singer, Sammy. I don't believe it. <laughs> I believe it. Now, I, I, th- I think he has a voice of an angel or a Spanish god. Um, but what do you think of a first time ever match between Chris Jericho and Cole Cabana? I, I was thinking, like, when would they have ever been in the same company at the same time? 
So we got this kind of got this legends match between two Hall of Fame caliber wrestlers. What'd you think? Yeah, kind of wild for this match to just kind of happen on an inconsequential segment of a random episode of Dynamite. Because like you said, you've got two legends, people who have been around a long time and they, their names carry a certain weight. Um, I liked this match. I thought it could have been a little bit more fun. I, I think, you know, when I am watching a Colt Cabana match, I want to see goofs. And this match didn't have as many goofs as I was hoping for. I did really like Jericho countering the diving pin from Cabana and kind of suckering him in. I thought that was a really neat spot. And it was um, clean, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, uh, you know, in in general, this was a a good match and a good way to use Chris Jericho to, you know, have this third high profile match on the card because he was in it. And it was his first singles match since losing the title, if I'm remembering correctly. And Uh, uh, no, he fought uh, Pineapple Pete. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Poor Shug D. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I thought it was fun. Yeah. And um, it's nice to, it seems like they're just kind of waiting to announce this match with Tyson. Not sure if they have any reason to announce it this early. And we're not even sure if that's going to be at Fighter Fest or if that's going to be at All Out in September. So here's to see how they go here the next few weeks um, and throughout the summer with Jericho. Yeah, I mean, Jericho's uh, no new... stranger to keeping an angle going for months at a time. So well, this angle, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Ten years in the making. <laughs> ten years <laughs> in the making. So, um, what's uh, what's something you want to talk about in lightning round? Uh, Hardy party, Hardy party. I loved this segment. I was laughing out loud. I thought it was fantastic, and I, I think it's kind of neat because, you know, obviously Matt and Jeff inspired the Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks were kind of an inspiration to Private Party. And it's kind of cool to see that circle closed a little bit. And I know there are other tag teams involved. I know that mm-hmm. Santana and Ortiz were big influences on Private Party as well. Um, and, and, you know, there are others also. But I thought this was really cool. And I, I just want to see more of these trios matches because they always do them so well. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've got that indie credibility and they've all worked in these chaotic six man tag matches that the other wrestling company really sucks at. And they know how to make it entertaining and, you know, to, to have that spot fest that you want when you've got that many competitors out there uh, you know, you need that kind of high energy. So I thought this was a really fun segment and I'm excited to see what match they come up with. Who are they going to face off with? Yeah, I'm also curious of where Matt Hardy goes from here. You know, his he debuted in the company and boom, in a gigantic storyline with the elite and the inner circle. And is he going to be like a main event player? Is he going to work around the card, you know, mentor, help people out, you know, put people over? So. Here's to see what he does, where he goes from here. And uh, spoiler to next week's show, we're going to have Mark Quinn versus Cody in the TNT Challenge. So should be really fun. Um, I wanted to bring up the 
very funny uh, Britt Baker rehab segment. <laughs> <laughs> when when she is pulling the single weight behind the the wheelchair, I just started dying, man. It was so funny. And I think the thing that really hit home for me is, you know, I lift, but sometimes I'm just I'm just lazy with it. Like <laughs> so like when she gets the heavy weight and like her hand falls to the ground, there've been so many times where I'm like, you know what? I had too many carbs for lunch today. I'm I'm going to go lighter here. I'm not going to do that heavy weight. So I've never really been able to relate to our role model. Um, but today was the first time or last night. I mean, last night was the first time. Well, there you go. I mean, doctors do make the worst patients. So uh, <laughs> nice to see that that is being played out on the screen in front of us. Uh, something Anything, I wanted uh, to talk about was the FTR interview segment with Tony Schiavone. Mm -hmm. I thought this was really great. Sit down interview with FTR talking about, you know, all the different things that they're here to do. And they specifically mention every tag team, every major tag team in the division that they want to face off with, except the Young Bucks. And <laughs> it was just, you know, and they kept teasing and making it sound like they, that's the next name that they were going to say. And then they never said it. And I really enjoyed that. Um, I also like that they had Shivani say fuck the revival but they censored it uh like both <laughs> the f word and also the revival they censored the revival so just like, bleep the bleep and they don't own it <laughs> yeah i mean obviously but it was it was just it was a fun way to to kind of see that played out and i like all the different things that they're coming up with for FTR and what it stands for. I like that it doesn't stand for one thing, that there's all these different phrases that they can insert into it. Um, I do think, obviously, what we're building towards is a match with the Bucks uh, as, as kind of a, a big first major feud for them. But it looks like they're going to be squaring off against people like the Butcher and the Blade before they have that match. And I'm excited to see them in action in an AEW ring. And see if we get the NXT version of these two guys because they were never the same after they went to the main roster and not because of anything that they did, but because of the light that they were portrayed in and you know, it's bad creative. Yeah. And I, I think with good creative, they can get back to those, you know, four star, five star matches that they put on in basically every takeover they were involved in. Yeah. It Okay, you know how much I love the Butcher and the Blade. What are they doing to them? There's no bunny. Bunny's flirting with QT Marshall. And and they're coming out like they're going to the beach. White pants, white tees, like what the hell? Where are my leather-clad badasses from Buffalo? I'm very upset. And I don't don't want to talk about it. Just saying. Um, anything else in lightning round? You want you you talked a little bit you talked more about FTR than uh oh no you talked uh, fuck it we're gonna erase this I'm confused last thing I want to talk about in lightning round is I really enjoyed the promo between Taz and Moxley tonight um I like that uh Cage is basically doing his best Brock Lesnar impression just standing and looking beefy um but Taz is just a perfect 
perfect person for this role. And I thought this was one of the better Moxley promos in AEW so far. So um, someday we're going to get the AEW world title picture into our main segment, but that day is not today. (laughs) Well, I think as we get closer to this match, you know, this is a really exciting showdown between these two. And I was struck by how big Moxley is seeing him next to Cage. Like he didn't look small. And that's impressive because Cage is, you know, beefy. Obviously, Cage is beefier than Moxley, but Moxley's taller. And Cage is surprisingly short. Like, I know six feet isn't short, but when you see someone that jacked and that ripped, it's weird to see that he's only six feet tall. Like six feet tall with his ring boots on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, no, it it definitely um it definitely is a uh, a good size comparison. Like it's kind of like Randy Orton. You don't don't realize that he's like six three, six four, and he's taller than mostly everyone. Um, but yeah, I I think this match is going to be really great. Can't wait to see it. Um, and I'm curious to see if they go the Brian Cage speed that we know Brian Cage can go. Curious to see if Moxley can go that pace. So. I think at the very least, Mox can provide a good base for Cage to do some of his more athletic maneuvers. Um, And I think we're going to see a lot of different kinds of suplexes because I don't know if you've noticed, but he's kind of been using a different suplex that he's been handed down from Taz in every match that he's been in. And that's a cool, subtle element to this character and this relationship between manager and performer. And I hope they can keep that up. Obviously, Taz did a bazillion different styles of suplex in his tenure in ECW. So I think they can definitely keep it going for a while. And I really like what I'm seeing. I think it's clear that he kind of rushed back a little bit because the strength isn't all there. You know, he struggled to get Sean Dean up into that vertical suplex and seemed to kind of struggle getting into the drill claw with him. And Sean Dean is not that big of a guy. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully he's, you know, truly healthy and ready to have this high profile match a month from now when he's going to be facing off with Moxley. Yeah. Anything else in lightning round you want to talk about? I don't think so. I think I'm good. All right. Well, we can uh, move on to a quick preview of next week's Dynamite. Uh, like I mentioned, we're going to get Mark Quinn versus Cody Rhodes, which should just be another excellent showcase and pretty much exactly what we wanted from the open challenge. Give these guys a chance to show out, let Cody sell for them like he always does. And yeah, thoughts on this match? Um, I mean, I think this this whole challenge is going to continue to provide us with really entertaining matches. Uh, Mark Quinn, I think, is the more dynamic of the two members of Private Party. And so I think he's going to fly around and do some crazy stuff in this match. And I don't think it'll probably be as long as the match between Cody and Jungle Boy was. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think we're in for a really exciting kind of fireworks show. Exactly. And next we have Sammy Guevara versus Cole Cabana. And kind of a continuation of Cabana's uh, inner circle stuff that's been going on. This should be fun. I hope they lean into the chuckles a bit more than Jericho and him did. 
because we know Sammy can be funny in the ring. Yeah, bring on the ha-has. We need them. We need them, guys. We need them. Uh, and then also announced, FTR get their in-ring debut versus the Butcher and the Blade. Sadly, no bunny. Uh, this should be a good showcase for FTR, kind of show what they can do. I don't think it's going to be like a squash. I don't consider the Butcher and the Blade jobbers, um, but I definitely think there's no not a snowball's chance in hell that FTR takes the the L here. I would agree with that. I mean, it's it's <laughs> you don't bring these guys in, debut them the way you debut them, and then have them lose. That's the kind of thing you would do in the other wrestling company. Oh, let's call yep. these guys up from NXT and then feed them to Sheamus and Cesaro. Oh, oh, bummer. Painful, painful stuff. And then the last match announced so far, uh, a six-man tag match between the Inner Circles, Douchebag, Jake Hager, Santana, and Ortiz. Love those two. And they will be facing off against the best friends and the baddest man on the planet, Orange Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just wonderful. And uh, yeah, that should be a fun match. Great Always love seeing Cassidy and the best friends. And I wonder when we're going to get a little build to that tag team title match at Fighter Fest. Um, they mentioned, you know, after the, the tag team match that the winner is facing those guys. And, you know, I don't know if you necessarily need much of a story build because it is a, a rankings based uh, situation. But you know, let's see, see Kenny and, and Hangman kind of mix it up with those guys and any comedy spots Kenny can do with Orange Cassidy would be welcome right now. Absolutely. And that's it, everything for next week's uh, Dynamite. So obviously we'll probably see some more stuff announced here in the next few days, but you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. You can find us on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can find Joel at The Other Joel. You can find me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can email us at The Other Wrestling Show at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify. Um, and if you're an Android user like me, you can pretty much find us on any of the podcasting apps on the Google store. Um, Joel, anything to add? No, I, I don't have a random observation this week. I, you know, <gasps> I think this show didn't really lend itself to that. And, you know, all the funny stuff from this episode we've already talked about. So uh, I was going to talk about one. I got one. Oh, okay, go ahead. All right. It's all you. C- Cage needs to tan his face. His <laughs> his face did not match his body at all. Did you notice that? I did not. No. All right. Go back. You got to go back and watch two things. You got to go back and see the belt flip off the table in the main event and then go look act, go look at Cage's face cuz it did not look like it's like he had a towel on his head when he was tanning cuz it looks like four shades lighter than his body. That's my random observation of the week. Do you think maybe it's because he shaved and like normally that's maybe, his facial maybe. hair is? But it looked weird. Actually, I got dynamite on in the background. I will take a picture and send it to you once we're done here. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, but on that note. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.